Hey there, restaurant pros, it's David Scott Peters and welcome to episode nine of the Restaurant Prosperity Formula. I've been coaching restaurant owners since 2003 and the Restaurant Prosperity Formula is based on what the most successful restaurant owners I've worked with do on a daily basis to achieve their success. The basic premise of the formula centers around achieving prosperity, freedom from your restaurant and the financial freedom you deserve. To achieve prosperity, you have to follow a very specific formula made up of leadership, systems, training, accountability, and taking action. Today's topic centers around the story of one restaurant owner who learned how two simple changes to his operation meant a major change to his restaurant's financial future. Now, I want to tell you about our guest today, Steve Eller, owner of the Cosmic Cowboy Grill with two locations, one in Quarter Lane, Idaho, and one in Spokane, Washington. Steve created the concept back in 2017 to be a healthy, fast, casual concept to fill a need for the community he lived in. As a former CFO, Steve was already very much a numbers guy. Being new to the restaurant industry, however, he searched to find what the industry standards were to run a profitable restaurant. His challenge, the industry publications and websites most people find were wrong. Now, Steve is not somebody who sits back and waits for good things to happen. He immediately hired an industry professional to help him design and run his new concept, hired and trained full management teams for both restaurants, and implemented an all-in-one restaurant management and accounting software program. His numbers were dialed in, but profitability was still a challenge, and then COVID hit. All Steve needed to understand is what was really possible when it came to restaurant financial targets and ultimately how to hold his management team accountable to the systems. With just two simple changes, he was able to reduce his prime cost by 13 points during the pandemic. Listen in on our conversation as he shares with you how he was able to make this major shift in his business. I want to welcome Steve Eller to today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is being brought to you by The Catering Coach. If you are a restaurant owner, now more than ever, you need catering as a profitable, proven, multiple revenue stream. But right now, who has the time to establish all the checklists, systems, packing lists, and proven methods to grow your catering business? And who are your catering customers when there are very few catering events? You need The Catering Coach. Sandy Corum, the catering coach, and her team will show you the path to immediate catering profits by taking out all the guesswork of what works right now in this ever-changing world. Catering is not what it was last year, but catering is still profits, profits, profits. Learn the systems, learn the checklists, learn the out-of-the-box methods that successful restaurateurs are using right now to be catering profitable. Just visit thecateringcoach.com forward slash DSP. I want to welcome our guest today, Steve Eller, owner of Two Cosmic Cowboys up in the Inland Northwest, and uh, somebody who I think, quite honestly, is one of the top operators when it comes to understanding his numbers, putting systems in place, having a team execute what he wants done. And the reason being is I've seen a huge shift in his, his company uh, and really somebody who knows the numbers, knows how to put those numbers together, to put them into use, to make change. And that's why I'm really excited about bringing Steve to the show today. Steve, I want to welcome you today. Well, thanks, David. I appreciate the time to talk with you today. Well, do me a favor. Tell everybody a little bit about your business and kind of where you started and, and what it was like before you and I met. Talk about your two concepts. 
Cosmic Cowboy Grill is a healthy, fast, casual concept that we created back in 2017 in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is in the Idaho Panhandle, basically a, uh, uh, near Spokane, Washington, which is the center of gravity for this part of the world. Uh, pretty active town. Uh, we knew there were a lot of athletes and, and outdoorsy people that liked to eat healthy. They didn't really have a uh, alternative in this area, so we jumped in and uh, you know, how hard could the restaurant business be? We jumped in and started a restaurant and did pretty quickly gather a decent following, but uh, have struggled to make the numbers work until we found you and you nudged us in the right direction. So well, what, were some, what were some of those challenges that you had? Like, so when you say try and make the numbers work, because you're somebody who, again, was already like you're, a, you're like me, you're a spreadsheet geek. You are uh, in your past life, a CFO. I mean, you know, numbers, 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 but there was a, a little bit of something missing. What were those challenges? Cause you, again, had a lot of systems in place. Uh, the things that we were missing were number one, knowing what was possible. So when you read all the trade rags and they say, Oh, 30% food, 30% labor, um, we, we never questioned that wisdom. We never questioned whether that, that was appropriate for our business and um, whether we could be successful at those metrics. Don't know why. I mean, I did plenty of research before I got into this, but um, that was not uh, any advice that we ever questioned. And, uh, and then the, I think the, one of the biggest things that has happened in Cosmic Cowboy Grill is that our management staff is now not only um, willing to look at the numbers, they're willing to put the work in to make the numbers happen in real time, which is a huge shift for us. So when you talk about, let's explore a little bit about uh, prime cost, my favorite number, right? Total cost goods sold plus total labor cost. You talk about the rags of 30, 30, you know, a lot of times I read it, it's 34% food cost and a three-time markup, labor around 33 or so. And that puts us at about a, a 77, 78% uh, or 68% prime cost, I should say. And, you know, I always talk about, hey, well, if you do a million dollars, really $850,000 more in sales a year, gross sales, you should be running a 55% prime cost or under. And when you and I first met, I, I, I think the, the biggest discussion was, well, nobody ever told me that was even freaking possible. So what was it about finding that, just that little new truth that that could be different? How did that change things for you? Uh, well, it, it, it made us have the um, strength of, um, of conviction to make the changes in the business menu engineering, increasing some prices, which was a little bit uncomfortable, honestly, um, pushing back on the, the management staff about, oh, I need more labor for this, I need more labor for that. Uh, it, it gave us the ability um, basically to take your conviction and make them our conviction and push them onto the team in a way that the team bought into what we were saying. I mean, I liked it, but they understood the wisdom of that advice and the fact that these are the things we need to do to be successful in the business. So talk to me a little bit about your, your numbers, your prime cost beforehand. What was labor like? What was food cost like before you said, okay, well, I could make this complete shift in what's possible. What was the, what were your numbers looking like then? Our food was running 30 to 32% and our labor was running 32 to 34%. So you literally said, this is the number, you managed to it, and they executed it. So you had a good management team. They did what you asked them to do, right? 
Yeah, I was making the wrong ask. We talk about making the ask all the time, even before we discovered you, like you've got to ask the team to do these things. They're not going to do it just because it's common sense or every, everybody knows that this is what to do. you got to go say, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And this is the number one reason why I've always been impressed with what, what you and your operations manager, Chris, have done is you lead. You know, if we look at the restaurant prosperity formula, that you know, the very first skill set you've got to have to be successful in your business is to be a leader. So the truth of the matter is you weren't lacking in leadership skills. You weren't lacking in getting your team to do what you wanted. What the problem is you gave them the wrong North Star to follow, right? Well, that's absolutely right. So and, uh, go ahead. Well, and let me expand on that. We, you've told us several times, and, you know, this is just an accident of who I am and how we've been doing business. None of your 20 whatever steps, I should know the number, but I don't. 23, it's okay. <laughs> None of those, I mean, we, we were doing a whole lot of those steps, but we yep. weren't doing them right. And nobody told us how to glue the steps together into a way that actually let us pull levers to change the business. So we were looking at menu costs, but not in the right way. We were looking at food costs, but not in the right way. We weren't getting it into the daily blocking and tackling of the business like your checkbook guardian does. You know, that's a pretty simple thing. If you don't spend more money percentage wise than your sales di dictate, you can't be over on food. That's right. Now, you might be short in the walk-in and we've dealt with that. And that's another thing that, you know, we're, we have to, you know, work on to, to keep from running out of items, but you know, that's a better problem than why did you spend 30% of our sales on food this month? Oh, I don't know. Well, we don't well I can it. remember going back to our discovery call and we were talking about what you were doing. I'm like, man, you've got all the tools. And, and I said, you're the easiest fix because you're the person who has all the information. You're doing all the right things, but you're missing that cog, that little gear that ties all the gears together that it, you can do something with all this information. You gathered a ton of information. You did a lot of the right things that you're supposed to do, but the way sheet wasn't necessarily connected to food cost. Key item report wasn't connected, right? Budget wasn't connected. Nothing was connected. They were just separate islands of information. So they didn't tell the complete story. Does that sound accurate? No, that's exactly accurate. And because they weren't connected, my team didn't value them as tools. Like, oh, this is just busy work. We're doing this, but it never amounts to anything. Why are we doing this waste log when we never use the waste log to change the business? Why do we have a budget when we, you know, we never hit the revenue on the budget and then none of these other numbers make sense. Why, why are we doing it? So then you don't get the buy-in and people don't use the tools and they don't use it to manage the business. Now, what were some of the struggles when you started to teach people where the numbers came from and how they tie together? All of a sudden that makes the software you're using make sense, but you did get some pushback. Did you, did you lose anybody? Did you know, I always tell people, I guarantee them to lose one or more of their best employees who they thought they were their best employees because all of a sudden you're asking them to do more. Did you find, did you experience that? Did anybody give you so much pushback or you found out that they rose to their highest level of incompetency and now when you ask them to do more, they were no longer the right person on your team? Um, we've been a little fortunate in that. We did lose somebody, but it wasn't because the systems were... Um, too tough or didn't make sense or they didn't want to do the work. There were other personnel issues that just happened to come up during this time period. Um, as luck would have it, though, that person's replacement is probably the head of the class when it comes to running the systems. 
Um, so the other person had the the skill set and the inclination and, and the real drive and desire to say, oh, I see the value in this. He jumped in with both feet. He's the guy that, you know, every morning, in fact, probably during this call, I'll get a Slack post saying cogs, food and labor are in the system. And, you know, we'll get a little ding on my laptop here. But uh, so that part has been good. Um, it, you know, the, the key on this as, uh, as an owner is how is your top management going to react to these um, programs? In my case, uh, Chris, my GM, has been struggling with this uh, concept with me since the very beginning back in May of 2017. And, and he's a seasoned, seasoned restaurant pro. And he's also not somebody who says, I know everything. And he's somebody who doesn't say no. You are, you know, you don't understand the restaurant business. It's different. Like you have an ideal individual in that spot. I want to make sure people know that that's who he is. Sorry, and so that that's what made this work, because if I was fighting with Chris the whole time, so you got to do this and his heart wasn't in it, that wouldn't have worked. And then step one of implementing your success plan would have been finding a new GM, which, you know, I think we all know how hard and painful that can be. So Chris was on board. He saw the benefits of it right away. He saw the promise of it right away. And we saw the benefits pretty quickly. You know, if we didn't see the benefits from the promise, then I think that would have been a different conversation. Well, let's talk about some of that change because, you know, just like everybody else, COVID is crushing and it, it makes volumes disappear. And it was already a concept that you were working on raising, you know, getting sales to go up in the first place because it is a healthy concept in a very, you know, uh, meat and potatoes kind of, of area. With that said, where you started and where you are today, what kind of swing, and this is in the middle of the pandemic, what did you see your prime cost go from to? What was that change look like? Well, we were in the high 60s, uh, sometimes over 70% prime cost. And we've brought that down. The lowest we've seen is uh, 63, but we think we can go lower than that. Um, you know, I, I wanna be honest with everybody, you know, you're probably gonna hit some speed bumps. We've got some, We've got some mystery food costs right now that we don't know why we're stuck at 29 and we're working to find it. Some of that is uh, commodity cost increases. So we lost a point on our food cost on the menu that we only redesigned three months ago. Um, so we probably need to do some more menu engineering to get that point back. Um, you know, we're within two and a half points of ideal in Spokane. Um, unfortunately, our volumes there are so low. Um, well, fortunately for food costs, we have a chance probably to be within two points of ideal food costs. Which there. is awesome. Our guys are, you know, they're there like a hawk on the, between the GM and the kitchen manager. There's hardly a plate that leaves the kitchen that doesn't have one of those guys bird dog in it. So portioning food quality, you know, waste log and all that, that happens at a really high level there. Uh, Coeur d'Alene has more shifts, more people, less ability for the management to, to see every plate that goes out. You know, we're um, four points, four and a half points over ideal there. So there's work to do. Um, and, you know, we still struggle with some uh, uh, key item trackers. You guys can't count. Let's go count better. Come on, guys. I mean, we're, we're counting burgers by the each. It shouldn't be hard. You right, cooked right. it and served it to a customer. You dropped it on the floor. I mean, come on. 
So these are the struggles that we work on, but, but we're focused, the management's focused on it. We talk about it every week. You know, we're looking for those, for those dollars. Now, one of the big changes was we didn't pull industry averages. In fact, whether I say prime cost can be lower or not really doesn't matter. It's what's possible based on your location, your price point, your quality of product, your core values. And at no point in time do I ever have this discussion with you to say, buy shitty food, right? Cheaper food, cheapen your product, go against all those things. But with that said, there was one key element. And, and this, again, is something you had already been doing. But again, changing the numbers, whatever, is budgeting. Let's Because you are the budget king. You're a 13 period guy. You literally accrue everything perfectly line by line by line. Like you drill down your numbers. But what was it like going through the budgeting process and, and how we were able to create your plan for success and come up with the numbers you needed to hit? Talk about that process a little bit. Well, I mean, we had budgets before, um, but they weren't, I think the fundamental difference between what we were doing and how you do it is um, you say, start from where you are and trend off of that. You know, there's not going to be some miraculous, the, the sales fairy is not going to come and drop another 15% of sales on you just because you're a nice guy and you work hard. So you are where you are, use those numbers. Maybe you can operate better. We just finally got a loyalty program installed after three years. Um, you know, no thanks to my old point of sale who re will remain nameless, but um, it, uh, you know, that should be one of those one-time opportunities to generate more sales in the future. So we have that system, you know, we're already up to 400 members after about a month. We want to be at a thousand active by the end of the year that should help sales, but those things don't happen very often. Uh, so trending off of our existing numbers and then making some changes, say in food cost or labor percentages based on uh, proactively implementing some system that's gonna help control them. So as we looked at it, like we said, we took your where you are today, we didn't put fairy dust over where sales are gonna be, what is realistic. Uh, we got your food cost numbers, your poor cost numbers. We got your labor cost numbers and so on. But the most amazing thing in that process is we kept asking the questions, why? Like we probably spent six hours on one of those budgets on multiple calls, literally drilling down to even so everybody can associate with COVID. Often many of our operations are at minimum staffing level. Like how does that affect things? And because sales are lower, your labor costs may jet through and then we made decisions on what do we think was realistic we could get our food costs down to. Uh, in fact, I, I believe we were shooting for a 24% ideal food cost, 26% actual, and we're still struggling to hit that. And talk about some of the challenges it was to say, how do I drill down labor? How do I bring food costs down? Because it wasn't just snap our fingers. There was a lot of work behind that. Well, that's where having a good uh, relationship with Chris and being able to, you know, talk about things with mutual respect uh, was really important because I can say, Chris, I need you to only spend $4,500 on labor this week. And he could push back and say, um, we cannot run the store at our level of quality and service at that level. And you're going to burn the employees out and we'll lose some of the best ones. 
And, and let me so. let me just chase that squirrel real fast. Chris is not somebody who goes, well, we've got to have more labor. We're a scratch kitchen, which you are. It you know, didn't come up with excuses. He literally sat there and wrote out the ideal schedule with the minimum amount of hours and put the people in place and how much money you would spend and literally came up with that number. Like he didn't just pull it out of his ear and go, you don't understand, Steve, that we can't do that. He showed you the numbers, right? That's right. And then it became a decision. Do we keep this meal period or not? We, we probably still have some format concept tinkering to do to get where we want to be because with the high level of, you know, from scratch cooking that we do and the fresh ingredients you know, we're not opening bags from Cisco. I know everybody says that, but we really aren't. And there's a certain amount of effort that it takes to, to cook food the right way, um, we may have to change our menu still to make our labor less impactful on the bottom line. So these are conversations we have, but it's all driven by the budget. The budget's saying, this doesn't give you the numbers you want. So what are you going to do besides hope, because hope's a really horrible business plan, to make better numbers happen? And that's the beautiful part about the budget. You put together your proactive plan. It's not just, well, tomorrow we're going to run a 26% food cost. Well, no, we realized we had to look at the menu engineering to make sure the recipe cards were accurate. I can't tell you how many hours on calls you spent just making sure that in your software, the recipe cards are right so that we could have good numbers, you know, again, garbage in garbage out. And then the analysis that we did on the menu profitability monitor and finding ideal and changing prices and getting rid of items and all these things. And all the things that were balanced in there was not only balancing, um, speak David, food cost, but cash contribution and labor cost, realizing that, hey, we have a certain side dish that isn't as popular. And you guys made the decision to make the change. Go, we're not going to have that anymore because we're going to try and simplify prep and all those things. Like everything was on the table because you had this guiding light, if you will. The new North Star was your budget, your plan at your speed, right? Oh, absolutely. And now, so we yeah. like that system so much. We are now doing your menu profitability monitor every week. Um, but as I annoy you with, I take that and put it into another spreadsheet where I can track it week by week so we can watch it. And then we can say how much of our food price has changed because the customers changed the mix and how much of it has changed because our food service, uh, our broadline food provider is charging us more money. So would you say, I always tell people the two most important systems any restaurant should have in place are budgets and recipe cost cards. Am I lying? I mean, are those no, uh, like, Otherwise, you couldn't do what you do blind. without those two things, right? Right. Because then, I mean, you can see what your food cost is on your P&L even without those, but how are you going to know why? What's contributing? You know, we have a couple of commodities on our purchase list that, you know, really you're the only ones that matter at the end of the day. And so we either have to keep pricing our menu to reflect the market for those commodities, or we're going to have to re-engineer the menu. Maybe, you know, let's go back to a, found, a foundational system that kind of helped change your culture a little bit. And, and you, you struggled with it like everybody else does, even though you're a systems oriented guy, I want to talk about checklists, right. And, 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 and how checklists really bleed all the way into that your kitchen manager was doing inventory accurately versus just going through the motions. 
talk about your challenge with checklists and, and why you may agree or disagree with me that checklists are really the foundation to all of your, your principal systems and the culture in your business. Um, well, you have a different take on checklists than I happen to agree with your take over some other advice I've gotten from some industry advice uh, websites and, uh, you know, you're highly specific. So just to paint the picture here, you know, some people think checklists are memory jogs to help the staff remember to go clean the bathroom. Uh, you think it's no, go get the bucket of cleaner, take it to the bathroom, squirt you know, one second of squirt in there, do the toilet brush three times, flush it, you know, um, to ensure a higher level of quality and consistency. And um, we've, we've gone back and forth. We've tried both systems over the years. Um, it was hard to get buy-in from my crew with the detailed checklists before, but when David Scott Peter said, no, those checklists need to fix everything that pisses you off, suddenly everyone's like, well, okay, I guess that's how the checklists are gonna be. Um, we were also bad at training. And I will say that teaching the checklist, you know, while it's not as robust of a training system as I would ultimately like to have, it's a good start. You know, with more detailed checklists, they at least tell people more or less how to do the jobs. Um, are they perfect? No. Do we need to take another lap through them? Yes, um, it's been a little bit of a, I mean, there's only so many hours of the day and you only want to burn so much management labor a week. So we have to meet our efforts out and, and put them, put the dollars where they can do the most good. So it's probably time to take another lap through the checklist and, uh, and improve on them. And, you know, we did go to an electronic checklist for the managers. We haven't rolled that out for the staff yet because, um, Still not convinced they won't throw the iPads on the ground. <laughs> well, you can get them on their own phones, but that'll be a whole other story. So That's did right. you see that when, when your managers would follow those checklists and now see the detail allowing you to impose your will without being there, did that translate into better numbers? Because again, you had software. They were putting inventories in. They were doing recipe cards. They were putting schedules in. Was, was there a tightening up of that because now the little details mattered? It's helped. Um, that has been one of the harder areas to really get the buy-in from the team on. It's taken more uh, double checking on Chris, the GM's part, to make sure that they are following the checklist. Um, it took a while to get management buy-in from the assistants and the kitchen managers. Um, and like I say, we're, we're due for another lap on that where um, we make some improvements to the checklist. We get, uh, you know, we got to keep reminding, reminding, reminding. I think the, the assistant managers are there, but I'd like them to be there a little more, to be honest, and really start driving that home. So let's talk a little bit about, I always tell people that, again, Restaurant Prosperity Formula, one of the major parts of your responsibility that starts off the whole formula is leadership. And that's what you do. You are not... Uh, a restaurant tour by, by background, real estate came across that this is supposed to be an investment, something that works. You from the beginning said, while you do jump in the store and you do help out and you know how to run your restaurant, that is not your primary role. You have somebody, what I call Chris is your implementer, somebody who gets shit done to put it eloquently, right? 
And talk about that relationship because I, I tell restaurant owners who are doing things themselves or trying to save $15 an hour by flipping a burger, they're taking inventory themselves or doing everything themselves versus teaching others to do it. How important is that role that you are leading the team, working on budgets, working on marketing, developing your management team, and that Chris is the one that executes that with the rest of the team? Talk about that relationship and why that's important. Well, now that I have a, I mean, I always had a reasonably good idea of what an owner should do. And I heard the, the advice, you know, day one, work on your restaurant, not in your restaurant. But, you know, when you have staffing problems and we, we're in a very staff constrained market in Coeur d'Alene, Spokane a little less so, but, you know, there's still not, I, I hear from the old timers where, you know, you used to have people come in all the time, handing off resumes saying, I'd like to come work for you. That doesn't happen in our market. Maybe it happens elsewhere right now, but so staffing's always been a problem. It's always the you know, the old saying: it's hard to drain the swamp when you're battling the alligators. Well, that's the big alligator right there. So it's it's easy to get sucked into the into the store. So and so called out. Now the GM has to go and do that job, and then I have to go do the GM's job. And if you do that enough, then there's no strategic time. You know, we we're still dealing with a pretty decent sized COVID problem in our Spokane location that's requiring me to spend a fair amount of high level strategic time to try to find a, a third store for us to put some people on so that we can. And it's a good time to be looking for restaurant opportunities right now as other places wither on the vine. So uh, for me to make my restaurant company successful, I need to uh, be out looking for those things. I need to be working with my lenders. I need to be, you know, I, I still have to apply for PPP loan forgiveness. You know, that's a lot of time that's going to be me in my office doing a paper chase. You can't do that if you're on the register in your store. And um, I used to do a lot of sailboat racing. And unless you're, um, you know, like uh, uh, oh, Dennis Connor, uh, one of the best sailboat racers ever, you can't watch the boat and call tactics and drive the sailboat. It just is, it doesn't work. So to, to be a good sailboat racer, you have to keep your head out of the boat. You'd be looking around, what are the other boats doing? Drive the boat and let the crew be the crew and do their jobs and not micromanage them. And so that's the approach I've always tried to take. But um, with you in, in, Injecting some of your systems into our business, it's been a lot easier to push things down to Chris. And then Chris is pushing things down to the assistant managers and saying, instead of me giving you numbers, you need to give me these numbers. I'm going to show you how to do it, but you need to know these numbers and you need to bring them to the meeting on Wednesday. And you need to tell us what's going on with food and what's going on with labor. And that's a major culture change. Instead of the owner or GM saying, here are your numbers top down and people go, well, where'd the freaking number come from? I don't know. You know, that's the software. That's wrong. I don't believe that. When they come to the meeting, they say, my food cost was, we're this far off. This is what I had in a way sheet. Here's what I did to fix it. Da, da, da. Man, they put them in a position of truly knowing their department and being a part of the team. It's more than babysitting the idiots. They, they learned to run a business and now they own, they take ownership in what's going on, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and actually, you know, there's so many moving parts right now. Um, we did have a guy that he was struggling with the numbers um, and he ended up leaving us over that. I don't know why I didn't think about that when you asked me earlier, but it was, 
it was clearly a struggle for him. He ended up voting himself off the island. New guys, much better at the numbers. Well, so. sometimes, whether they make a decision on their own or we let them go, people provide value to us. But as we change and we elevate expectations, sometimes people don't like change. They are not willing to do that and they quit or get fired. That's the negative. The positive, you've got some people who were struggling that that now have better structure and they shine. You've got people who uh, who always shined, but now they feel like they're not the only one. And then anybody brand new goes, oh yeah, that's how you do it? Okay, sure. They don't go, hey, that's not how we've done that for the last three years. That's not what we do. And, and, and that truly makes it easier for you to run your business. Do me a favor, Absolutely. talk a little bit about um, what you were looking for when you found me and you know how you found me, why you found me. Talk about that, that, that process. Because again, you had systems. You got major piece of software in there that handles all the aspects of your business. You had uh, you know, all the different pieces and tools, and you had a pro in Chris joining your team that and he truly cared and he truly put things in place. So what is it you were looking for? You know, what led you to me? We knew that we were missing some piece of the puzzle. Uh, we knew that in the beginning. I got the uh, opportunity before we even opened to talk to a major restaurant investor who had made a pile of money starting one of the largest franchises in the country, he sold it. Now he buys and sells up and coming restaurant um, concepts. He gave me some advice, but it wasn't it wasn't the David Scott Peters glue to put it all together. Uh, we talked to had a guy on retainer for a while who was an area manager for a national chain concept, um, really knows how to run restaurants. He came in and gave us advice, but again, it wasn't enough to glue the pieces together. Um, we've had people do some consulting on our menu and their, their input was valuable, but it wasn't valuable enough to say you can have a 24% menu. I mean, it's, that was real simple advice. We never thought that it would be appropriate for a restaurant like us to have a food cost that low, but turns out it is. Business works a lot better at a 24% food cost. So, um, so we knew, we, we had some nebulous idea of what was out there that we knew that there was some piece of advice that we were missing that we weren't getting from these other consultants. You know, would we have discovered this on our own with all the systems we were already running? I don't know, maybe after another four or five years of beating ourselves against the wall, but that's not a whole lot of fun. Um, I ran across you on a website. I looked at your website and said, this seems awfully close to uh, the advice that we're looking for. Then we did that uh, initial call. What do you call this? A discovery yeah. call. Yeah, the discovery call. And in that conversation, you said a number of things that's like that this this is the guy that we've been looking for. Uh, once after that discovery call, it, it was easy. Did you have apprehension? Like, you know, often people are like, does this guy really know what he's talking about? Is it truly going to work? So on and so forth. Did, was there anything that said, well, let me pause, you know, before I make a decision? Um, you know, being a Mastery Plus member for you is not cheap. It's a financial no. commitment. But the um, the promise of the savings that you have there would, I mean, they, they dwarf what we 
have paid you. I mean, it's in a big month, we could almost save that in a month. Right. It was a no brainer. So um, I, I, you know, given the, the site that I found you on um, is a trusted site for me. And uh, that was a good housekeeping seal of approval. Our discovery call um, was very um, informative and I could tell that there was more to be there. It was an easy decision for me. In fact, I, I think I, you almost had to beat me off. (laughs) No, no, give me, yes. Give me your credit card. No, 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 not yet. Let me tell you about it. Um, Talk a little bit about maybe some of the unexpected shifts that, that went on in your company that you didn't expect in our relationship when we started to work together, because you had a very specific idea of what you wanted to have happen. Was there anything that kind of came out of nowhere and said, wow, that's, that's a benefit I didn't expect. I think the way the teams responded to the checklisting and some of the other things that we've put in place, they, it, that was a lot easier. We're not there a hundred percent, but say the team responded to these things that we've pushed in and we pushed a lot on them pretty quickly um, because that's an understanding in stuff done. So it was already in software. We already had recipe costing cards. Um, So for us rolling through your 23 steps, was, you know, a lot faster than it would have been for other people. So we were able to push and push and push. And we were a little worried about breaking the staff, but it didn't happen. And so the staff responded very well. Um, that nobody's putting up a fight. Now, does everybody do the checklist at the level of fidelity I'd like them to? No. Is that an ongoing management challenge? Yes. Forever. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, that's to be expected, but Um, we did not have people up in arms and saying, oh my God, this is too much work and we can't do that or this. Um, so that's been gratifying. That's been helpful. Um, and now it's been gone, gone on, you know, for 90 days of this, you know, nobody's putting up a fight. If we ask them to do another checklist, it's like, oh, okay. It's another checklist. Well, again, you know, as, as I talked and I bragged about you in the beginning, you are, you are already a systems oriented person. You had a ton in place and all you needed was that cog. But with that said, in the beginning, there was a ton of work. We were worried about that. You're going to push your managers to their breaking point in the middle of COVID as we're cutting their labor and taking things and expecting more from them. But they rose to the occasion, your culture changed, they bought in, which is awesome. Again, that has to do with your leadership. And now we spend a lot of our time literally going over a budget and seeing where we hit or missed and talking about what you can change going forward to get back on pace. What's that like? What is it? How does that change your life when you know you have good numbers and you know you're never going to hit your budget? There's always something that changes, but knowing that you can take control of your future. Well, you don't talk about this number as much as Chris and I do, but we really look at that break even point number in your budget model. Um, and I have made it a goal to try to work that number down as low as possible, particularly at our Spokane center of downtown location, which is struggling because of COVID. So um, anything we can do that pushes that number down, you know, I always knew that um, fixed cost and overhead were obviously important. But, you know, again, you go back to the trade rags, food and labor, food and labor, food and labor. Well, that's all great, but uh, rent, utilities, and debt service are pretty important too. 
Um, you know, we, we uh, as I alluded to earlier, we had a point of sale change thrown on us, which we got through. Um, we actually ended up saving about 250 bucks a month and dropped a credit card merchant ID, um, saving another 250 bucks a month out of both stores. I mean, that was something that I probably wouldn't have focused as much on before your budgeting process as I did. Um, now, I'll also tell you, I got a little bit lucky. There was, uh, you know, I asked you your advice on point of sale and your answer was don't care, make sure your rep is great. Well, our rep is great. I've wanted to work with this guy for a couple of years. And so um, we ended up with a point of sale that actually ended up doing everything we wanted and cost us considerably less money and dropped a merchant ID. So that was all great. Um, but I don't think I would have looked at it that way before your budgeting. So what is life like for you today? So where you started, where you are today, because uh, we truly kind of met right as the pandemic hit and we're still in the pandemic. I know it, it, it it's still a struggle in sales in the Spokane location because downtown is damn near closed like anybody in a big city. Uh, but what is your life like today when you look at your business? Is there more hope because you made the changes? Would you still be in business if you didn't make the changes? You know, where are you personally and business-wise? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, COVID's a real problem for us. Um, so I, I will tell you that um, uh, your changes have helped us weather this storm a lot better than we would have. It's taken our cash burn down significantly uh, at, the Spokane location and helped us uh, lower a break-even point in Coeur d'Alene, which is great. Um, we have the strength of conviction to know that we can run a million-dollar-plus store for a sub-60 food and labor. And so um, I can't guarantee you that I'm not going to have a problem with one or both of my stores. Who knows how long COVID's going to last? but um, we are already looking for new opportunities to go into broken restaurants, put these systems on and make a profit. So um, I started my real estate career in 1986 in Texas. It was like a neutron bomb went off. It was complete total destruction and people made a lot of money because they were able to buy good real estate at very low prices. And um, this feels a lot like that. You know, we feel like we could come in, particularly if you could find a, uh, a restaurant that has sales, but has horrible expense numbers, right? You can come in and, and especially if it's a foreclosure or, uh, you know, taking over a lease from somebody else where you don't have a lot of debt coming in on it, we can make those very profitable. And so that's, I well, think you would agree with me. That's because once you know the systems, the envelope, what style of food, you know, what food you have, style of service, location, doesn't matter. These, these are the foundational systems that you op drop into any operation. You're going to make it more efficient and make money, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I would love to find a restaurant with million two sales and 75% food and labor and a owner that's ready to throw in the towel. Well, I guess if anybody's listening to us and you're in his area, give him a call. Um, do me a favor. What would you tell somebody who's trying to evaluate whether they should work with me and go through my membership process and the, the tools that I provide and so on? What would you tell them if they were thinking about it today? Um, I would 
tell them that you can provide the glue, the systems and the glue to glue the systems together, but don't come to you unless you're ready to do some soul searching and look long and hard about how you are managing your business and whether you're really willing to make some changes at the end of the day. Because the truth the is, I scenario. don't change your business, right? You change your business. It's that transforming your life, your management style, your business. It's less about me. It's more about you, correct? Well, Chris and I have our regular Tuesday morning meeting with you, and we're prepared to get kicked in the balls every Tuesday morning. <laughs> like, guys, come on. Why are you doing this? You're the reality fairy. You're what we need. I mean, you're the, the, the no bullshit monitor. We can... You know, everybody has stories about themselves and how they run their life. And, you know, we, we bounce these things off of you and you repeat back to us what the reality of the situation is. Sometimes you agree with us and sometimes you say, no, that's not going to work. And this is why. And, and we need to hear that. I mean, that's why we hired you. If you just told us we were great all day. And yeah, you guys are doing great. Rah, rah, rah. You wouldn't be worth your money. We want you to take us to the woodshed and paddle us and say, guys, come on. Well, the truth is there's always opportunity in our businesses. And often when we see our only our businesses, we don't, we don't see those, those cracks, right? It's if I invited you into my business, you'd go, David, why do you do that? And if I come to you and say, well, that's the way I've always done it. Most dangerous phrase in your business, you're dead. Like you always have to be looking to change, but I, I love what you said is that, and, and I agree hundred percent. I can't help you if you're not ready and willing to do the work to change yourself, to change your business, put the hours in of changing from being the guy who flips the burger to the one who does a budget and trains managers and hold them accountable. And that's really what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. If there was anything, uh, you know, I want to thank you for taking time. I really do appreciate so much you sharing before we go. Is there anything you would share with anybody that you say, you know, a, a piece of advice, uh, something we didn't talk about that you want to make sure they walk away because they had an opportunity to listen to us. Well, we, you haven't really asked me about it. I mean, we, we probed around it, but I take from you that quality of life for the business owner is a huge thing that you're trying to improve. And, um, and we appreciate that. I mean, I have worked way, way, way more hours than I ever thought I would. Um, still trying to get these businesses where I want them to be. You know, the dream is they start doing well enough that, you know, it's not a daily blocking and tackling. It's more high level checking in with the management. I think we're on that path, but we're not there yet. So I get up and strap it on every day, but there's hope that there's, you know, we can get it where it needs to be, where that's not as much of a problem. So. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, quality of life is important. It's, it's the big rocks. It's the family, the friends, the, you know, spending time, spending time to make, make ourselves happy when the restaurant industry consumes us. It literally consumes our families, our relationships, our, 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 just our psyche. And so, yeah, it is really important. And, and, and my biggest thing that I've learned working with people like you is it is less about the financial and it's more about that life. Because if you are getting two days off in a row, if you are getting time to go on vacation and spend time with your family, then you are making the money you deserve. And that truly is, it's kind of the, the opposite approach. It's not, and, and, I, and for 18 years, I talked about, hey, lowering prime costs, lower, 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 lower. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter where that is if you're the one 
required to make that all happen. It's the quality of your life part that translates into your business, right? Absolutely. So that's the balance we're trying to find now. Steve, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to spend time with me and share your story with everybody. I, I, I like to think that you are somebody that everybody should model in the sense that you are a strong leader and I'm not bullshitting you. You know, I would, I, I'd tell you otherwise. I mean, you know what systems you put in place. You put all these things in place. But the biggest thing is you understood one of the, the, the hardest lessons that anybody who's a restaurant owner would know is, and that is you don't know what you don't know. And you were willing to go find out there, take the risk. You, you know, you put, you put literally your financial, you know, investment in me is, was the big risk. Like I could have sucked, could have not happened, but you also, man, the moment I said, do something or this was it, you never said, no, that's not possible. Our restaurant's different, da, da, da. And I think that's the biggest quality. What makes you such a, a great operator. And, and Chris is pretty damn good too, though. Absolutely. Well, we've really appreciated your help and guidance to this. And, uh, you know, we, we want to keep having you over our shoulder and helping us make the business better. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you, you taking the time today. Have a great day, David. Hey, that was an awesome episode. I want to thank you for taking the time to take action on building a better, more prosperous restaurant. Before you go, I want to give you these three thoughts. One, by combining leadership and taking action with systems and training being checked by accountability, you are on your way to creating prosperity for you and your restaurant. Two, I have something I need from you. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. By leaving us a review, other restaurant pros seeking out this information are able to find it. I read the reviews and hearing how this information has benefited you does wonders for me. And three, if you find any of the discussions helpful, share them. The more restaurant pros who have access to them, the better we become as an industry. For more restaurant resources or to get in contact with me, connect with me at davidscottpeters.com. Be passionate about what you're doing. Be persistent, but more importantly, become better and help everyone around you become better. And your restaurant is going to kick some ass.